From Walking in Grace, this is the Straight Truth Podcast, Christian truths in an increasingly secular world. Pastor, recently on social media, I noticed you had replied to another gentleman who had asked about sermon process. How does one prepare a sermon? Well, how do you construct a sermon? That sort of thing. I wonder if you could uh, speak to that. I think a lot of people would be interested in it. I'm always interested in this topic mm. as well. Uh, how do you construct a sermon? What's your process? Where do you begin? That sort of thing. Yeah, um, what had happened is uh, Eric Dodson, so give Eric a shout out. He had, he had um, tweeted his process Uh, It was an exegetical process. And I think it had 12 steps or something, I I forget. And it was good, it was very good. And a couple of other brothers had responded as well. And so it it would involve things like translating the text, lexical study, diagramming a passage, things of that nature. So I I began there and I acknowledged all that because that's that's all a part of preparing sermons. And so what I did is I went through sort of a seven step process that that I go through and, and gave uh, a title to each one just to make it hopefully a little more memorable. And I, each one started with the letter S. So I'll just give those to you. So I said, first of all, you, you seek the truth. Right? You seek it, seek the truth. And that's the exegetical process. Mm-hmm. So you know, reading the text, taking note of the elements of the text, uh, paying attention to definitions of words, syntactical relationships. You're doing the exegetical work. That'd be step one. So you seek the truth. Second step was see it. And what I meant by that is by means of that first step, where where I want to arrive is at a place where I see the truth that's in the text. I have an understanding of it. I understand the multiple elements involved in that text. So it's sort of like getting clarity in your own mind to the place where you can see what's there. That's what you're striving for through step one. When you arrive at it, now you're at step two. I see it. Third thing is savor it. So now what I want to do is ask questions around those things that I recognize. What's the purpose for this? What's the end for this? What am I to do with this? Uh, What difference does this make in my understanding of God, my understanding of people, my understanding of the world? I, I just begin to walk around the truths and I'm asking questions of it and I'm specifically asking those questions for my own heart, for my own life. I always have to preach a text to myself before I can preach it to anyone else. I've got to be a worshiper in my own life with God's Word before I can lead people to worship God through the preaching of the Word of God. I believe that preaching is an act of worship. Just like what you do wonderfully every Sunday leading us in song is worship, I believe preaching is worship. So we're glorying in our God, we're glorying in our Savior as we see the truth on display. That's what, that's what we're doing. But that's gotta begin in, in, in a study before it can take place in a pulpit. So I'm submitting my own mind to that text. I'm submitting my own heart. I'm examining my own life. I'm confessing sin. I'm dealing with with things the Lord exposes and challenges me with. Savor it. Seek it, see it, savor it. Then I begin to think about how, how I'm going to present it. And what I always try to do is allow the text itself to determine the outline of my sermon as much as possible. If you're just tracing the author's presentation, there are normally steps he's taking. You know, this this is the first thing that he says. This is the second thing that he says. You can see those things. There's a a distinction there. Here's the third thing that he says. So I'm trying to organize my sermon around the contour of the text itself. 
Nonetheless, I'm also asking you now, how can I get these truths, best get these truths into the people listening to me? I tell young guys, Josh, when I first started, uh, preaching for me was getting the truth out. It's like I study all this stuff and it's, mm-hmm. and it's dealt with my life. How can I get this out? And the older I've gotten now, it's how can I get this in? Mm-hmm. How can I help them get hold of what I've had? Because you've got to remember this. I, I've sp- I spend probably 10, 15 hours per sermon preparing for that sermon, maybe more at times. The people listening to me Sunday do not have the benefit of mm-hmm. sitting in front of that for 10, 15 mm-hmm. hours. Mm-hmm. So I've got to think about uh, what what now has become second nature to me because I've spent so much time looking at it, they're going to hear it for the first time. How can I help them get a hold of that in a, in a much shorter period of time, 45 minutes to an hour? Mm-hmm. How do I do that? So I'm thinking about that. One of the things I would encourage every young preacher to do as I'm writing my manuscript, so I manuscript everything, I write it just as if I, I were going to read it, okay? Mm-hmm. And I don't read it. Once I get to the pulpit, the notes are there. I, mm-hmm. I try not to be overly dependent on them. But I do know where I'm going. I've mm-hmm. planned where I'm going. You have to plan to teach. Mm-hmm. So I want to I know where I'm going with this. But as I'm writing that manuscript, I'm reading it out loud mm. every step of the way and multiple times. I'm reading mm. paragraphs out loud. Mm. I'm reading sentences out loud. Why do I do that? Not because I'm giving a speech. Not because I'm rehearsing something. No, that's not why. It's because sermons are not for the eye. They're for the ear. People aren't, aren't reading them. They're hearing them. Mm. And there's a difference. We, we all know what it is to, to pick up a book that, that as you're reading it, it, it makes perfect sense to you. Mm-hmm. But then you try to read it out loud to someone else, mm. and it may feel clunky, or it may feel long, or it may, you, you understand the difference between what your eye can take in versus what your ear can take in. Mm. So the fourth thing is I'm writing that manuscript is, is say it. Say it. The fifth thing is sift it. Mm. So what I like to do is take this, the sermons when they're finished and set them aside for a time and not look at them. Sunday morning, I will read on Saturday night. Sunday night sermon, I'll read on Sunday afternoon. Mm. And I like to read it with enough time present to make changes. And I almost always make changes. So again, I'm gonna read it out loud from beginning to end. And whatever doesn't hit, hit my ear, and it's so amazing to me how something hit my ear the right way you know, two days earlier, mm-hmm. but now I hear it differently, and I'm like, ah, oh, I want to, I want to change that. So I would call that pro- that process, that part of the process, sifting it, mm. and then you serve it, right? You you preach it, and one of the things that, that I like to do, Spurgeon, I I've, I was told did this, but as I'm walking up these steps on Sunday, one of the things I always like to say to myself, if sometimes I say it out loud, is I believe in the Holy Spirit, mm. because I understand that I am completely dependent upon the Lord for this to have any effectiveness. Mm. If the Lord doesn't build the house, the laborers labor in vain. If the Lord isn't at work in preaching, the preacher labors in vain. (laughs) So, Lord, I need your help. And I'm fully aware that I I might stumble all over myself and the Lord work powerfully in someone's life. I may give some pristine presentation. I don't think I ever have, but but let's just say I could from the standpoint of of, uh, articulation and nothing happened if the Lord's not working in people's hearts. Hmm. So, I, so the preacher needs God's help. The hearer needs God's mm. help. Lord, would you help us here? But so you, you the, and the best you can do is your best. Mm. You know, preachers live and die with every sermon. And for years and years, in my younger years, Josh, I, I would vir- go home virtually every time discouraged. 
And I've learned, I've not learned it like perfectly, but I'm learning, I should say, that all I can do is my best for the Lord. I can't do better than that. So are there times that I feel like it went better than others? Yes. But at the end of the day, all I can do is, is my best. Mm. And so I would exhort young, young men to think the same way. That's, that's all you can do. Mm. So you serve it. And then th running through those six steps is a seventh thing. I list it seventh because it should take place before, during, and after. Mm -hmm. And that is you, you pray. So we'll call that saturation, mm. right? That's good. You, you saturate the whole process with mm. prayer. You're praying as you prepare. You're praying as you preach. And you're praying after the preaching that the seed of the Word of God would not be stolen away from the hearers. Mm. Lord, allow this to take root. Mm. And, and may the aftermath be long-lasting. Mm. And one of the things that I'm consistently amazed by, I've told my wife this multiple occasions, but how, and I'm so thankful for this, how sometimes you'll go home on a Sunday and you think that didn't seem to have any effect. And two days later, someone will say, I've been thinking about this mm -hmm. from that sermon on Sunday. And, and that's, that speaks of the long-lasting nature of, tr of, of the Scriptures, mm. the power of the Scriptures. As truth is unleashed, it has a life of its own, mm. which is why you pray after, mm. as well as before and during. Lord, take this and use it this week in the lives of this church, in, in the lives of these people, this flock. Mm -hmm. So that's the process I walk through. Do you make an emotional appeal in your sermons, and is that a planned appeal if you do. yeah it's it's not planned in the sense that you you know in the notes it says you know cry here <laughs> I, I mean more like the exhortation um the maybe even an evangelistic exhortation yeah um or the imploring of people to to uh to, to turn from wicked ways and and, and yeah. to christ so let's all just take things. presenting the gospel yeah. I, don't, I don't think i don't think we've presented the gospel truly J.I. Packer does a great job of describing this in Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God, mm -hmm. a little book that he wrote. Yep. You know, to, to really preach the gospel, you have, to, you have to convey the heart of its author. Mm -hmm. I mean, does God really desire for men to be reconciled to himself? Yes. And that's got to come through as you share the gospel. Mm -hmm. you know, someone who can just share the gospel as if it doesn't matter whether you take it or leave it hasn't really conveyed the gospel. Mm -hmm. And the same is true in preaching. If there's no passion in it, if there's no sense of urgency or, or seriousness or desire for people to actually take it into their lives and live it out, then, then it's missing. But also, I would add quickly, if there's anything artificial about that, then it's not a true presentation of the author either because there's nothing insincere in God and there's nothing, there should be nothing insincere in what we do. Hmm. So I might look at at the flow of a sermon and recognize this is a place where, where a truth really needs to be mm -hmm. underscored. But that's still different from what I might feel in that moment as I'm preaching it. Yeah. And what I just want to be at all times is genuine. One of the models for me in the New Testament is Nathaniel, of whom the Lord Jesus was able to say, an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. Right? What you see is what is. Mm -hmm. And that's what we want to all be. We're not all that, mm -hmm. but we want to be that. Mm -hmm. Lord, let me just be genuine. Mm -hmm. So as you're preaching, that ought to come through. If I were to follow along uh, a sermon of yours uh, with uh, your manuscript in my hand, 
Mm. How much would I notice? I'm just an average here. Sure. How much would I notice you deviating from your manuscript versus sticking uh, with what you've written? I think you would see. I think some would look at it and say not a lot of deviation. Mm -hmm. I think others would recognize there's actually quite a bit of deviation, because. And so here's what I say to young men about manuscripts: Don't ever forget you wrote that. It's not inerrant, mm -hmm. right? To deviate from the scriptures, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. To deviate from your manuscript is no problem. It's, it's not inspired. So, Like I just have to get it all out. I have to say I exactly ha what I've got. Exactly right. right. At the same time, it's what came out of my mind when I wrote it, which is why you shouldn't be surprised if there's a lot of similarity as I preach it, mm -hmm. because I'm the one who wrote it. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's probably gonna sound a lot like that, but what you'll notice if you were following along is what was one sentence mm. might become two paragraphs in my sermon, or what is two paragraphs might become a sentence, depending upon where I'm at in the sermon and what I believe I should do with it. In fact, if you were to follow along, you would see sections I entirely skip, because I'm going through, like um, this past Sunday, I had two quotes, one from D.A. Carson and one from uh, James Boyce, and I chose in the midst of preaching to just share one of them. I shared voices and mm. sh share Carson's. Mm. You're making decisions like that as you're as preaching. You preach, yeah. So you, you, would, you would see something very similar to what you're hearing, but you would also, if you're paying attention, notice a lot of, of differences. Is this process pretty static week to week? What, or what are the parts of what you just articulated, the seven essays yeah. that, that change? I think what changes would probably all, all be in, in the first one, which is under the seek it. Okay. So the exegetical process, mm -hmm. you would see variation. Mm. As I've gotten older, I would not recommend this for younger men. As I've gotten older, I mean, you've got to remember for any young guy listening to this, I mean, I've been doing this now 39 years, 24 years here. So that's a lot of time in scripture. Mm -hmm. When I finish the Gospel of Matthew, I will have finished the New Testament in this church. So I've spent a lot of time, and for years and years, Josh, I was preaching three times a week, three sermons mm -hmm. a week, yep. three full expositions a week. So now I, at times, will have, you, know, you look at the translation issues, you look at the definition issues, you look at the syntactical issues. When you get to the writing process, there are times I will have written the entire sermon before I access a commentary. I would not do that if I were just starting out. Hmm. So sometimes I'll read, but at times I'll read commentaries up front. Mm -hmm. So that's the part that would yep. differ. Where, where, where do the commentaries come into play? Mm -hmm. I would not recommend going for myself or anybody else. I will never go to the pulpit having written a sermon and not accessed anybody else's mm -hmm. thoughts about it. That is a mm -hmm. very dangerous thing to do. You may think you, may think you see it clearly. Mm -hmm. It's always, always, always helpful to see what someone else has seen. Mm -hmm. That's a part of the humility aspect of it. Mm -hmm. Do I think that, that I'm wiser than everybody else or see things? No, that's, that's silly and foolish. But where I put that reading in into the process differs sometimes. I don't always uh, diagram, sometimes I do. Uh, you know, diagram a text, so that might differ. I di diagram to the, to the degree that I, I need to. Remember what, what my second point was, which is see it. What do I need to do to get to the point that I've got that truth clearly in my mind? That's what I'm going to do. So if there's any confusion about relationships between words and, you know, et cetera, that, that's where your, the diagramming comes into play. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Straight Truth Podcast. Now, Straight Truth is listener supported. 
So if you'd like to find out ways how you can help us to continue to produce this podcast, you can go to our website and find out ways to do that, straighttruth.net. At that website, you'll also find links to all of our previous episodes and our social media channels, so be sure to check it out. Straight Truth is a production of Walking in Grace Ministries, the preaching and teaching ministry of Pastor Richard Caldwell. For more information, go to walkingingrace.org.